uh, under the umbrella, like from a, a technical perspective, there's three subsets of ADHD. So okay. technically there's attention deficit slash hyperactive disorder. That's in the book we use, which is called the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. Ugh, super boring. <laughs> um, but underneath that are three subsets. So there's the um, attention, inattentive subtype. There's the hyperactive slash impulsive. So sometimes it's hyperactive. Sometimes it's impulsive. Sometimes it's both. And then you have the combined subtype. So people will have both inattentive symptoms. So the spacing out, and then they'll also have some hyperactive impulsive. Welcome to Let's Not Sugarcoat It, a podcast about the real, raw, and unfiltered side of motherhood. We're your hosts, Bella, Alex, and Amy. Let's get into it, ladies. Okay, well, welcome everybody. Um, today we have Irene Spellacy in studio. She is a registered psychologist in both Alberta and British Columbia. She has worked in the mental health field for over 27 years. Irene works in a private practice in the Pandosi Village area in Kelowna and specializes in psychoeducational assessments, post-traumatic stress disorder assessments and treatment and ADHD. She has recently, uh, uh, she was recently a part of a documentary by a local filmmaker, uh, Shiny Objects, that's focused on the director of the Kelowna Symphony, who is diagnosed with ADHD as an adult during COVID. She has a passion for singing on stage, which she has done for over 40 years and is known for her, this is a new word, people, I had to ask what the meaning is, <laughs> irreverent, sense, irreverent. irreverent sense of humor, which they told me what it was. I like this humor. She is <laughs> the youngest of 12, so knows how to talk over people and how to listen. <laughs> the mom of two teenage boys, so she can give you tips on smell reduction. Nice. I think that goes for girls too at this age. I don't yeah. know. And different refers, smells. Yeah, different smells. And she <laughs> refers to her new hairstyle as her money stripe. So oh, far, yeah. so good. Uh, she is she is also proudly Irish, Scottish, and Cree. Welcome, Irene. This Welcome. So Your stripe, I have the same stripe. I can't get rid of it. It's a natural white on my bangs. It just yeah. the only... It's a money stripe. Is it? Oh, yeah. thank God. Bring there you go. Money. Bring the abundance. <laughs> Mine's yeah. not natural. No, okay. No, I, well, I paid for it. Oh, oh you did? Yeah. Your Mine's stylist just, did a very good job. It looks natural. Thank yeah. you. Mm -hmm. Well, I naturally have a lot of gray. It's a Scottish thing to have salt and pepper. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to embrace that. But right. um, this was an intentional introduction. Love it. Mm -hmm. To Love welcome it. it in. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm still Love not. It. My husband was like, what the hell are you doing? Because I took um, eyeshadow and I was like, <laughs> trying to hide it. <laughs> He's like... Okay, now it's brown. I'm like, well, yeah. I'd rather brown than white. Yeah. But I guess it if in. it's maybe you know, white. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I don't ever notice it on her. But then when she's around a Polish friend, she's like, don't you see the white? And they're like, yeah, it's so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Because you girls are way too nice. Like the Polacks tell you how it is. <laughs> or are they just more judgmental? Yes, well, exactly. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'd rather know the truth than sugarcoating it. Oh, and I think we do. I would argue okay. that we just see your true beauty. <laughs> right. There right. you we go. See That's past the Canadian. The yeah. Yeah. It's a full lens. Full yeah. lens. But uh, okay. Well, welcome, yeah. Irene. We Thank are you. so excited to have you and Me all too. of your knowledge and your in-depth wisdom. And uh, mm. I just think your heritage is quite interesting. 
Thank you. Already. Yeah. Um, I love that you're a singer. Thank you. What I do you, you sing? sing? Well, uh, what don't you sing? I, uh, there's not a lot. I don't, I don't rap well. Okay. That's, okay. Um, yeah. Although okay. I, I'm fond of profanity. I, I can't <laughs> carry it off. I'm way too white. Um, <laughs> but I, I started off singing Kenny Rogers and John Love Denver because that's what my dad played. Yeah. Uh, so it was the only ones I knew lyrics to, but uh, yeah, I've sang on stage since I was about 10. And um, I did musical theater as a kid and did two years of theater when I was in university. And uh, they asked if I would switch degrees from psychology to drama. And I said, no. And they said, why not? And I said, because I can't get a job with a theater degree. So I went so you're wise at a young age is what I'm hearing. <laughs> well, it's just like, mm, I kind of yeah. want a job and I yeah. just, nice I just things. knew. Yeah. But yeah. I, I do actually incorporate it. It's, it's a pretty relevant um, skill set to use. Um, it's called a two chair technique. Actually, it's something therapeutic you can use where you get people to imagine having I've a conversation that. or, yeah, it's, uh, it's useful to be able to have a creative and imaginative mm. um, process in, in therapy. So that's mm. cool. Yeah. So tell us more. Tell us more about your impressive 27 oh, years. So. I just, I, yeah. The thing about bios is like, it, I mean, it's, it's like a like, dating bio, but it's um, a work bio. Uh, Please like me. But okay, well then tell oh, us about like when compressive. I was talking to you on the phone, you had a giant passion for what you're doing with the ADHD diagnosis. So start there then, like this passion yeah. you found for this. Yeah, well, it's... I mean, I find it's a very um, underdiagnosed and misdiagnosed thing. Like people who people who think they know what it is, they overdiagnose it. So you might see somebody who is um, inattentive or who's hyperactive, and you're like, "Oh, that person has it." That's actually really not just what it is. That's really simplifying mm. what ADHD is. Versus, there's real subtle things, especially with women and girls, um, and they're often missed. I mean, we're socialized to be um, very uh, people pleasing, very well behaved, perfectionistic. Anxiety is just seen as a mental health thing, but we can hyper focus on anxious thoughts, and that's actually a symptom of ADHD in girls, and it's missed. We're just, um, we're learning about how it actually looks in girls and women in a very different way. And then we get treated for anxiety and depression and it doesn't work. So you're medicated later in life and it's seen as just a female problem or a hormonal issue and it doesn't work. And then suddenly these women are coming in in their 30s and 40s and 50s saying, I've been treated for depression and anxiety and it's my period and it's this. And then you're like, okay, well, let's talk about these other symptoms. And then they get treated for ADHD and they're like, is this how other people think and feel? And I'm like, mm. yeah, it is. And they suddenly feel better. But the biggest thing about ADHD and getting proper treatment is how it affects self-esteem and mental health. It's not about marks. It's not about IQ because they're not correlated. Um, and that's why I have a passion for it because mm. people beat themselves up for years about what they are, if they're lazy, if they just don't care. I just didn't find it interesting. People make excuses for being able to stay on task and it's just not accurate. So mm -hmm. that's why I have a passion for it. Um, ADHD is something that gets in the way of people's um, true personality shining through. Um, Dan Duncan, who's a local coach, says that all the time. It's this idea that if people use medication, it's going to change their personality. And in fact, it just gets the ADHD out of the way. So who you really are underneath comes through. And 
years ago when I worked in the school system, I would I discourage people from using medication. It wasn't well researched. It zombied kids out. Um, and nowadays, the types of medications they use very well researched. Uh, they're in and out of people's systems in uh, one to two days, so they don't have this um, difficulty kind of figuring out if they work. Uh, they have very few side effects. If they do, get off them. They're not the right ones. Mm-hmm. Metabolizing them is very personal, so you can figure out if it works. And then there's also a lots of alternative treatments. Um, I often say mental health isn't very sexy because things like exercise, what do you eat? Yeah. You know, um, do you live like a healthy lifestyle in terms of sleep and meditation and, you know, who are you surrounded by and, you know, what are your priorities and values and stuff and all that stuff impacts your hormones and um, those impact your ability to focus and sleep and all that kind of stuff. So no, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm curious because like I thought... I had, or I probably think I do have it now <laughs> because I recently found out from my dad that he has ADHD. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, I was like, well, dad, I am 42. Uh, and well, now I'm 43, but at that time I thought, I'm like, well, 42, I, I think you should have, have told me that it w- ran in the family because maybe I wouldn't have been so scattered, but it worked for me. Yeah. Um, and then during COVID, I was like, well, maybe, you know, I'm having a hard time. Uh, so I asked my doctor, he referred me and then the guy diagnosed me within five minutes over the phone and he diagnosed myself, my dad, which actually I was so mad because my dad doesn't have it, but then I find out he does (laughs) (laughs) that my husband has it like my family. So I'm like, Oh, so you're diagnosing everybody over the phone. You haven't looked at me. Are you doodling right now? I'm like, yeah, I'm doodling right now because I'm checked out of this conversation. I'm just giving you the courtesy to listen to you. But all I want to do is actually hang up because I don't think you're actually taking the time to, you just want to be like, yeah, five minutes in, you have it. This is what I think you should do. Yeah. You know, and to me, I kind of step back, but now, you know, also because I feel like I'm pre-menopausal. Yeah. Uh, pause, yeah. Menopausal? Yeah. <laughs> Harry Because I'm getting like the night sweats yeah. and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, here we come. Uh, so yeah, I'm having a hard time focusing mm-hmm. lately. Makes it worse. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I have been taking medication because my dad passed in February, end of oh, February. So then I switched to these ISSRs or whatever, but they are not like... SSRIs. Uh, SSRIs. Yeah. yeah, whatever. It's fine. It's fine. Which order? I don't need to know. But they weren't working for me. So I got off because they're like... I They're hard on your system. I just, yeah, I didn't like how I felt. So I, mm-hmm. I got off. And I before that, I did start medication for um, like sad um, seasonal, affective seasonal affective disorder. disorder right. So uh, they were working like I didn't have those lows in the yeah. winter time. But now I live here um, and I have a sunlight. So that kind of helped. So yeah. now I'm not on anything and mm-hmm. I'm feeling pretty good. But I feel... I know there's a lot going on. So I'm, you know, attributing that to, you know, having everything and just maybe like cutting some out. But the back of my head, because my dad said, yeah, it runs in the family. I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, how would I actually be if I was diagnosed and I was on so that I on something that could help me like just focus. Yeah. Versus be, you Mm -hmm. know, scattered. And what you just described that, um, 
cursory five minute screening Mm -hmm. really detracts from what a thorough, thoughtful assessment is and why Mm -hmm. it's so important to get one because a skilled clinician will actually sit down and get a full clinical history about what school was like for you because you might've done really well in school. You Mm -hmm. might've created lots of coping skills and we want to go from a strengths-based like in terms of making recommendations and stuff, right? We want to know what your strengths are. But we also want to know what you were like socially. How did you maintain friendships? How did you resolve conflict? Uh, what what are you like as a sleeper, as a driver, as a drinker? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's all these little things that give you indicators. Um, how are you emotionally? Are you really sensitive to criticism? Are you insensitive and blunt with other people? Um, when you're driving, um, do you speed? Do you miss turns? She's like, So there's these things that aren't necessarily on screeners that are consistent um, sort of diagnostic reporters from people who have it. And especially for women, one of the things is um, anxious thoughts and ruminating thoughts, whether it's about social interactions, like what did I just say? Did I just hurt somebody's feelings? Are they thinking I'm weird? Did that go well? I mean, for socially anxious people, that can happen. And then they'll think about things right before they go to sleep. So these thoughts go through their head and then they can't fall asleep. So now they've got insomnia. So, or they wake up with those thoughts and then it interrupts their sleep. So now you've got perimenopausal symptoms on top Mm -hmm. of anxious ruminating thoughts. So hyper-focusing is one of those things when we think about a hyperactive boy, which is this atypical or this typical idea of the kid who can't get off his video game, right? Mm -hmm. And he's not transitioning to go and like clean up his bedroom. But for a woman and I'm using that as the uh, sort of atypical example, she's got the ruminating thoughts. That is her hyper-focus. She's got all of these things and she's going all over the place. She can't transition so she can go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And sleep is the core foundation of using um, our frontal lobe, our frontal cortex, which is our executive functioning, which is you need to sleep Mm -hmm. because you're going to use your brain better in the morning. And so it just feeds on itself. And being able to calm your brain down, regulate your body, regulate your hormones, it's important in order to make decisions for yourself, whether that's exercise, relationship management, um, money management, shopping, all of those things that are about impulse control and um, self-esteem afterwards and not having remorse or guilt or shame and then recovering from it um, and trying to do something that you know is good for you and not being able to sustain it. And then that becoming part of your like, oh, that's just me and recovering from it over and over again, as opposed to, oh, I actually don't need to do that. Um, People I know who finally get proper diagnosis as opposed to this is just depression from putting myself down all the time Mm -hmm. um, will say, all of the voices in my head just quieted. Mm -hmm. Is this what it's like for everyone else? Mm -hmm. And I go, yeah, Mm -hmm. it, it is. And they're like, Fuck. Yeah. Um, so I think my husband would be like, you should go see this lady. <laughs> yeah. I have no remorse after shopping. <laughs> but you might have remorse over the conflict, yes. right? Yeah. No, um, yeah. And then you learn to defend yourself <laughs> yeah. or whatever. But the, yeah, it's, it, it, it's important to have a full diagnosis because yeah. other things can contribute to similar symptoms. 
Things like um, concussion and head injury, mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder, mm-hmm. um, uh, difficult relationships from you know family of origin, sleep disorders, which are highly um, common for people with ADHD. So if you can deal with some other factors, you can lessen the symptoms associated with ADHD to the point where maybe medication isn't needed or um, you could at least lighten them. You know, mm-hmm. So it, it's a complex diagnosis that requires thoughtful assessment. Mm-hmm. And thorough assessment by somebody who's skilled to know all of that. Um, people who have um, ADHD have a higher likelihood when and if they're exposed to trauma of developing PTSD. The reason is when you have ADHD, you're less likely to pay attention to body signals. Mm. So kids with ADHD, they take longer to potty train because they don't notice that their body hasn't shut down or that they're hungry So they might skip meals or they might overeat um, and they don't notice that they have to go to the bathroom. So they get constipated or they have urgency. They come in the door. They're like, don't talk to me. I have to go to the bathroom. Or they wet the bed in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. So there's this inconsistency with noticing signals. As adults, if they're exposed to trauma, they ignore emotional symptoms. So they might get flooded or freeze. They won't engage in conflict in a healthy way or they instigate conflict and don't resolve it. They just move on right away. Like, why are you still angry? I'm not mad anymore. The inability to deal with conflict catches up with them eventually when they start having like anxiety or panic or shutting down or, you know, their relationships change. So that's the correlation. It's not because they deserve it or something. It's just the delay of their ability to engage in emotional resolution Mm -hmm. leads to the delay in dealing with a trauma. And so that's the correlation there too. So knowing if they have post-traumatic stress disorder, you can start helping them deal with both at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important to kind of understand mm-hmm. all of those kinds of factors. Yeah. And a thorough diagnosis is important mm-hmm. because I've done, because I, I deal with both. When I do assessments, I'll, I've had people come in and they're like, I definitely have ADHD. I'm distracted. I'm not sleeping. And on paper, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you look like you do. Let's talk about schoolwork. Let's talk about how you study. Let's talk about how you organize things. Let's talk about your cleaning habits, da, 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 da. And I've had that recently. Um, and at the end of it, I just looked at him and I said, you do not have ADHD. You have PTSD. And he's like, seriously? I'm like, yeah, I'm really sorry you're going to have to face this shit (laughs) and it's going to be really uncomfortable, but medication is only going to make these, this worse. Mm. You're going to get hyperactive and you might think you're getting stuff done, but it's going to be like cocaine and you're not going to feel better. You're going to feel worse. So I need you to go and see a trauma therapist and deal with this stuff. And if after you deal with it, you're still not feeling regulated, then we can relook at it, but that's not what's happening. And I would say probably one in 10 of the people who come to me thinking they really know they have ADHD or think they do based on their own research, they actually have trauma. That's usually Mm. what I'm looking at. Mm, Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe another one out of 10, they probably have bipolar disorder. Mm. Wow. Wow. So I wanted to ask you, so I guess that kind of maybe answers my question, but is there different degrees to ADHD? Because I sort of would be Mm -hmm. one of those people that thought, um, you know, growing up in school, it was hard to focus and I'm still kind of like, I can you know, I get a little bit flighty and sort of distracted, but I sleep well. I wouldn't say I have terrible anxiety. Like there's, do you have to kind of check all the boxes? Is there different degrees? Like maybe I would be someone that's more, yeah, you know, so, something else. Uh, under the umbrella, like from a, 
a technical perspective, there's three subsets of ADHD. So technically there's attention deficit slash hyperactive disorder. That's in the book we use, which is called the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. Super boring. (laughs) Um, But underneath that are three subsets. So there's the um, attention, inattentive subtype. There's the hyperactive slash impulsive. So sometimes it's hyperactive. Sometimes it's impulsive. Sometimes it's both. And then you have the combined subtype. So people will have both inattentive symptoms. So the spacing out, and then they'll also have some hyperactive impulsive. So that's the important thing to understand. There's those three subtypes. And then you have mild, moderate, or severe. Okay. And we can all kind of imagine what this, what that spectrum looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to Dan Duncan, who he'll be like, why'd you talk about me so much? Because he's awesome. Um, <laughs> he's probably the best, most skilled ADHD coach in the Okanagan region. But wow. um, he has a, a coaching service called Inside Out. And he was in the documentary that I was in as well. But um, he, sa- he has this statistic, there's about 16,000 permutations. So... I'm going to throw my brother under the bus here. So my niece (laughs) actually today, and she's a teacher. She's extremely intelligent. um, And she's going for an ADHD assessment um, in another city today. And uh, she was just texting with me yesterday. And she's like, thank you for giving me the name of this psychologist. I'm really excited. Da, da, da. My dad thinks I don't have it. I'm like, well, your dad's not a psychologist. (laughs) Um, And... uh, and he said to her, I've worked with people who have it and you're not like any of them. And I'm like, well, that's his own pride getting in the way of like, yeah. he doesn't want his daughter to have it because he has a stigma around it, but it's a different generation. So mm-hmm. you need to do this for you. Let this person tell you. Yeah. Um, don't don't worry about that because there's no shame in having it. Um, but the idea that it ha- it looks one way is, is not accurate. It looks yeah. different on everybody. Mm-hmm. Because as you said, we can learn different skills to cope with different uh, issues or challenges, right? And yeah. especially women do. We learn great organizational skills, emotion mm-hmm. management skills. Um, you know, one of the challenges is paying attention in emotional conversations or things that aren't really even that interesting, but we actually want to focus. Yeah. So one thing that people with ADHD with those inattentive symptoms might do is they might space out they might start to fall asleep and then they feel kind of guilty and they're like, I actually wanted to hear what that person was saying. So yeah, they might doodle to try and stay awake or they might fidget or something else. And that's actually a way of um, stimulating the motor center, right? So they figured out a way to fidget or stay awake because your thought center is like, hey, uh, stay awake. We Like we want to know what's going on here. And your motor center is like, I'm tired. I want to have a nap. And so what medication does is it keeps your motor center awake with your thought center, right? This is our regulation because your motor center keeps shutting down. That's why exercise is a great treatment for it, right? right? Or a caffeine stimulant, which a lot of people use, but unfortunately it's all over the place. It's not a medication, so we can't keep it at the right level. Um, I, wish, but, I wish everybody could see your visuals. Yeah, right yeah, my, little, my little hands are going like puppets right now. Um, so it's, it's important to understand that if you're, if you do kind of phase in and out, um, finding some way to move around, like when I do testing for kids, I'll let them stand up because that would be a recommendation I'd make at, in class. If you can, oh, you're going to, yeah, yeah. yeah. me moving. This is the thought center and the motor center. We love it. So it's like the motor center starts to shut down and your thought center is still going. So this is a woman with a whole bunch of anxious thoughts and her thought center is going while her motor center shuts down. So 
this is all we hear is the voice in our head, like driving us crazy. If we can go for a little walk or just stand up and move, move around, suddenly they come in sync and we can hear our rational thoughts and we can make better choices. Mm-hmm. So any kind of movement we can do with that. But sleep disorders, it's interesting that you said, oh, I sleep really well. Sleep disorders are an interesting thing because most people think it's just insomnia or wakefulness or sleep apnea, but there's also hypersomnia. So you know, feeling tired during the day, even though you had a good sleep. Um, There's restlessness. So um, you might wake in the middle of the night or move around too much. Um, And then there's not getting restful, um, restorative sleep. So some people fall asleep too quickly, like within 30 seconds or under five minutes. So they go into a deep sleep very, very quickly and they don't get restorative wave sleep Mm -hmm. sleep waves, right? Um, That's a really important um, aspect and it's highly correlated with ADHD sleep disorders. So expand, there's seven different sleep disorders. And I always suggest that if people, if that's one thing that people have, that they should, you know, get a thorough sleep, um, study done, ask for their doctor to make that referral and make sure it's not just a sleep apnea study. Mm. Um, yeah, because getting a good night's sleep will totally change how your brain functions. Sure. And it's like step one. And treating ADHD, everybody thinks that the first thing you're going to do is just go on meds. Mm -hmm. That is only one piece of it. And it is not a magic bullet. You can have somebody on medication and they will not function better. Um, You really do need things like, okay, what is your diet like? Are you eating regularly? Do you have high protein diet in the morning, especially? Um, Are you slowing down your lifestyle? And do you have some structure and routine in it? Are you getting coaching or using tips or uh, structure or some kind of accountability tricks, which by the way, you need to kind of switch up all the time because your ADHD brain needs some novelty. There's all these other things that need to come into it. And meditation, something that gives you Mm -hmm. the dopamine drip and the nice rhythmic, you know, kick as opposed to the dopamine hit of like shopping and sex. Damn it. Damn it. You can do it. Just like have a budget. Just have a budget. Have a budget. Oh, do you think, and just because we were discussing this a little bit before, do you think, what is your take? Do some people do well without medication if they factor in all those things? This is the, so the, the thing about psychology in general and any any kind of information is a little bit is dangerous, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know if any of you had friends in university who took like a first year psych course and then they diagnosed everyone in their family. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, my mother's a narcissist and my dad's like, whatever. Um, so you can start suddenly going like, Everyone in your family has ADHD. That's just not how it works. We right. can all have times and and seasons where we struggle yeah. depending on what's going on, which is why a, a proper assessment is important. Right. Because as you mentioned, and this is actually a very interesting piece and something I'm interested in is during times of hormone fluctuation, women mm-hmm. will have symptoms of ADHD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this oh, fucking fascinates me right now because <laughs> well, then. there is research that ADHD medication helps women during perimenopause, menopause, and andropause, which is fucking weird. Um, it also helps women to take um, certain types of antidepressants. And this is not how antidepressants are supposed to work based on research for things like PMS and PMDD just for the three to seven days, they have very severe emotional symptoms. Now, normally those are supposed to be in your body 
for like three weeks before they start working. Mm -hmm. But if you have very severe symptoms, you can just take them for the three to five days, take the edge off your rage so that you're not like recovering from what you've done to the people in your life. I just took my <laughs> uterus out. Yeah. <laughs> I did. You can do that too. Do that too. Yeah. Take it out. Take it but out. I'm done with her. <laughs> Before I murder somebody. Yeah. Um, hard to come back from murder. Yeah. It's just, I mean, you can, but it requires a lot of social programs. A lot of work. A lot of lawyers. A lot of lawyers. Body cleanup. Yeah. Removal. But the, oh my gosh. Yeah. The, the, the thing I find interesting about that is that those are times of hormone fluctuation. And so there is more research around how ADHD is actually related to hormone fluctuations, which has a genetic mm. component to it, but mm. also an environmental component. I think that is also why we're seeing an uptick in ADHD diagnosis, particularly in first world, more North American, more modern societies, more sedentary lifestyles. It's not because of screens. Mm -hmm. It's because of sedentary and high productivity of our, mm -hmm. our food and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, we're not going to change that. So mm -hmm. we need to regulate it in a certain way. We, we still do need to be able to sit and pay attention. And to circle back to what you had said, not everybody needs to be on medication. However, the reason diagnosis helps is A, it gives you a bit of structure to start with. Right. It removes the idea that you're dumb or lazy or don't care and says, oh, here's some strategies. And it gives you a bit of a jumping off point and not everybody will need it, but this is what we kind of have to do to function, mm -hmm. to get schoolwork done, to do a job we really love and care about. And sometimes to have a relationship we need to have. Mm -hmm. You know, I have somebody that I know who, when they started taking medication, came home from work after like the third day and had said, that's the first time I've ever listened to somebody at work tell me about their their day. And I go, what are you talking about? They're like, I, I never cared what somebody said about what their weekend was like. I mean, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I actually listened and I was like, oh, that was interesting. I'm like, <laughs> you've never listened to a person talk about their life? <laughs> They're like, no, no, I haven't. I'm wow. like, wow. And they weren't aware of it because they knew nothing else. Mm -hmm. So the point is, what is the level of dysfunction? That's yeah. an important aspect of diagnosis. Right. To what degree is this impacting your life? Yeah. That's the difference. Everybody has a little bit of something. You don't need a label if it's not impacting your quality of life. Right. That's the... Yeah, that's interesting. I yeah. like what you're saying too about how there's just such a stigma, I think, around ADHD mm -hmm. and what it means. Like you can picture that hyper little kid in class or yeah. whatever, right? But then you're saying there's so much more to it, like this depression, the anxious thoughts, so many more things. So yeah, really interesting to know all of that. And I'm curious to know for ADD, is that does that fall under ADHD as well? Or is that a different kind of like, are they, I know they're the same per se, one has hyperactivity in it, but what's the, is it like ADDs under ADHD or it's like you can have ADD or you can have ADHD? So ADD is just something people say when they don't know that ADHD is actually the only thing there is. Okay. okay. Yeah. There we yeah. go. We learned I feel something like we educated new. everybody yeah. today. Yeah. That's so, what I'm curious about. Okay. So in uh, when I go back to that manual, it's ADHD. So it's attention deficit hyperactivity disorder with Got these three it. subtypes. You either have attention, like the inattentive yeah. subtype, the hyperactive impulsive subtype, or the combined subtype. That's Perfect. the technical term. But I don't know why that caught on in out in the world as a just a term, ADD. Maybe but, people thought the H was silent because, you know, it's the English language. <laughs> maybe, or maybe it's just 
that idea of the hyperactivity, right? I think it's right? a stigma around the hyperactivity. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like, like I just don't yeah. pay attention. Yeah. It's kind of oh, cute. I'm so, I'm so yeah. 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 I think we're also all at an age where we, you know, um, Dr. Google and we, there's mm-hmm. a lot of self-diagnosis and there's a lot of, you know, like yeah. the joke is kind of, if you hear it, it's like, oh my gosh, that's me. You know, yes. like those commercials. It's like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's yeah. me. We think we're everything. Yes. You know? Yeah. And there's I a think- lot of TikTok videos, a lot of Instagram yeah. pages. Yes. It's it, I think it's pretty normal whenever there's awareness that there's almost a saturation of information. Yes. I often talk about the pendulum swinging. It swings too far the other way in order to come to a new normal, a new acceptance. Mm-hmm. And that's that's sort of what we're seeing now, that people need to be more discerning about the information. Yeah. And 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 so over-awareness and over-sharing is great. And, and hopefully people kind of discern what feels right in the middle. Because yeah, we all get excited about information and normalizing and accepting, but ADHD is so much easier to treat than depression and anxiety. Mm. So if you can tease that apart and get that out of the way, I think the reason there's a stigma is because it seems overdiagnosed. Yeah. Mm. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And so, so people wait, like, oh, it's so kitsch. It's easier to diagnose. No, easier to treat. Treat. Sorry. That's what I meant. Because yeah. I had a teacher once and she was all about how like anxiety is like the gateway uh, disorder. A like, teacher said that, hey? Oh, she totally <laughs> yeah. said that? She's like, a teacher? Disorder. She was, she is a, she's she's a, a psychologist. Educa- she's like, a psychologist? Yeah, she was like a fourth oh. year psych class oh. and it was biopsycho oh, uh, oh, social. Okay. Um, anyway, so she said, think of anxiety in kids as like a gateway disorder because if you have anxiety and it goes undiagnosed, then you have a higher chance of, say, having a substance abuse problem and right. uh, whatever, whatever, oh, whatever, yeah, let's get, right? Let's get that one in there. So yeah, then yeah. I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> but here you are saying, well, ADHD might actually, I'm not saying it's the gateway disorder, but I'm saying if you're saying it's easier <laughs> yeah. to treat, that was kind of her motto. Anxiety is yeah. easy to treat in kids. It's easy to diagnose. It's easy to- It's not easy it's not, to treat. Anxiety is very difficult to treat because- Okay, great. It, it, anxiety is, yes, you can say it's an anxiety disorder, but what caused it? Right. Because it can be um, it can be something very chemical and visceral. And yeah, then you treat it chemically, but you're constantly playing with that chemical piece. Or is it something environmental? Is this somebody who's been exposed to something in their family of origin? Is this, especially if it's a kid, is this a kid who's been exposed to trauma and has not disclosed it? And until they have, we can't treat the trauma Mm. because the only way to treat trauma is to process it. And that means admitting it happened. So a lot of kids can't talk about it, right? So until then, you just want them to not hate therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that (laughs) makes sense. So they won't actually engage in trauma therapy until they are ready. Um, and so you're just you're just waiting and uh, for that day. I mean, some kids do, and that's very brave. Um, and that means they've got a great support system and they've got the vocabulary. So anxiety comes out of a lot of different spaces and places. Kids on the spectrum, on the autism spectrum, have high levels of anxiety. Um, and so uh, it's about learning how to regulate their body and figuring out what are triggers for them. Usually that's routine. Usually that's sensory cues in the environment, whether it's smells, touches, textures, and they need to know when to retreat and cut themselves off from people and go and regulate themselves, right? Mm. Um, and that's the key, anxiety. I often talk about um if you have the option, we have two drives, basically. Some people say there's three, but I don't talk to those people. <laughs> Forget those Go people. fuck yourself. Uh, anyway, we have two drives. One is, I'm just kidding. Sort of. Sort of. Um, yeah, thank you. 
we're going to be friends. Um, <laughs> one drive is avoiding pain or anxiety or threat. And the other one is seeking pleasure. And when we have those two drives, we can't seek pleasure until we have mitigated the threat. So if we have anxiety in our way, we have to regulate it before we can go for it, right? So if somebody feels anxiety, if a kid is feeling anxious, but they want to get the good mark on the test, they're not going to be able to do well until their test anxiety is regulated. Mm. So for example, an accommodation in a classroom would be writing their exam in a private room and having extra time. Mm -hmm. Most kids, when they get that option, don't need the extra time. The anxiety dissipates and they do fine. Right. Wow. Yeah. Now they can, now they can pleasure seek. Right. right. Um, uh, now I'm going to say, okay, we're going to go back to the original question that you asked about. Oh. Like, it's not that easy to treat anxiety yeah. because it depends on what the source is. Mm. It's easier to, if we can, if we can zoom into ADHD, um, it actually creates anxiety. Right. Um, it creates relationship issues. It creates negative self-esteem untreated anxiety creates depression. So if someone comes to me, I've had women in their 40s suffering from depression for years. We back it up. It's anxiety around not completing things, relationship issues, um, sleep issues, all this. Okay, well, let's back up the depression to these anxiety. The anxiety is related to ADHD. We treat the ADHD, the depression and anxiety goes away. Yeah. Holy Mm -hmm. shit. And I guess that's what I was kind of getting at is like, maybe this teacher was so wrong and you're saying, well, there's actually ADHD here that's like causing this, that's causing this and building to this. Which is why it requires thorough thorough diagnosis because Mm -hmm. on paper it can look, and I do find that depression and anxiety are now more socially acceptable to have as diagnosis. They are, it, it, it's okay to say I have depression. I have anxiety. Somebody says I have ADHD. People feel like it's a cop out. Like it's a throwaway term. It's, I don't know. Ryan, we're talking to you over there. It is. People think it's it's a throwaway term, but if it's assessed properly, it's undeniable. And when it's treated, it kind of takes care of all the other stuff. Oh. Yeah. And and it's so much easier. I, I think there is less depression and anxiety. And it and when it does pop up, it's easier to manage because it comes from that inability to regulate ourselves. And like you said, there's other ways to regulate ourselves, right? Meditation. Um, surrounding yourself with with great people, doing things you're passionate about, living in your values, eating well, mm-hmm. um, sunshine, like all of this boring mental health stuff uh, <laughs> that is living in that moment. And for some people, depending on how severe their ADHD is, they may need medication to help with that regulation. And the more dysregulated your hormones are, the more likely medication will help. And why the fuck wouldn't you want to feel regulated? Mm. Like get that stuff out of the way so you can live the best version because we really are controlled by our thoughts. That goes back to like the gold standard of treatment, which is cognitive behavior therapy. Our thoughts control our feelings. Mm -hmm. It's just hard to not like live in how we feel, Mm. you know? I like what you said about, you know, like getting... Like, why wouldn't you do it to feel better? And that's kind of how my doctor said it to me about my hysterectomy, yeah. right? Because he's like, you're still pretty young and you have at least 10 years of suffering. Like yeah. he called it because I was suffering, right? It was getting worse yeah. and worse. But 
on the outside, I'm getting, I was getting a lot of opinions. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is your womb. Like how'd you, blah, like all this kind of stuff. Like don't do it. Like everybody was online. Had an opinion. Yeah. So, so I, I, kind of do love like, that. Like, do you want my uterus? Yeah. Like, do you <laughs> Would you like this? to put it in? Do yeah. you want to suffer? Right? So, and I have not had any regrets. I mm. feel so amazing. The only thing I feel shitty about is that I didn't do it sooner. Oh. I didn't listen to my doctor because there was so much opinion and yeah. a bit of stigma around getting history. Like, it's bad. It's not like you'll regret it and all that kind of stuff. From women that didn't have, have a one yeah but from friends that have had I've talked to and they're like best thing and every single one of them said they wish they would have done it sooner mm-hmm. yeah and that feeling of I wish I'd done it is the same thing as you say you know yeah. treating something because there's stigma around it yeah. yeah but then when you do and you feel so much better you're just like holy shit yeah like, yeah. like how she like, was saying like oh do normal people feel this way or not yes. normal but yeah. does everybody does feel this way? way yeah yeah so yeah i have a couple of girlfriends who got on some medication and they're like wow so this is how it feels not to have you know that voice inside your head mm-hmm. that anxiety that stress because yeah, yeah getting that help is your mental health better mm-hmm. for your body. You sleep better. You eat better. You have that clarity of what you want to do. Yeah. So yeah, go get your hysterectomies. Later. <laughs> <laughs> and and the moral of this podcast is, is uh, go get a hysterectomy. Hysterectomy. <laughs> and just, if you, if you go away with nothing else today. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. What you That's it. That's I the love, message. I love how you said that. Um, you know, anxiety is caught, like to get the root of it. You know, because mm-hmm. I feel like that's another blanket term. As people are like, I'm just anxious about everything, but really there is a cause. And what I wanted to ask you is, what what is your idea of processing emotions? Because that's something that we hear all the time. Is like yeah. you got to go through it. You got to feel it to move through it. But mm-hmm. it's like, how do we know if we're doing that? Because sometimes <laughs> I think I am, but then it's like, am I repressing? You don't know. So what is? How do you know if you're processing your emotions? Or your feelings oh. or your anxiety or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have another hour? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> well, first of all, I think you know because you feel like shit. Oh, okay. To be quite honest. Processing feels awful and you you know you're doing it because you're not avoiding it, especially anxiety. Right. We avoid anxiety by doing things that feel great. Like all of those little like self-care things, they're usually like, they're not really self-care. They're self-indulgent, right? Mm. Like a glass of wine or a shopping trip or going out with the girls. Like it's all great. They're, there's nothing wrong with them, but they're not truly self-care. Self-care takes time. And especially moms interpret that as indulgence. Indulgence usually takes time. Therapy takes time. Processing events in our life take time. Really giving ourselves permission to feel something all the way to the end takes time and it doesn't happen in one shot. It's not a good cry in the shower. Mm. That's a start. (laughs) But it's then crying in front of a friend. It's not being perfect. It's being um, a bit of a mess, right? So it dep- And it depends on what it is. Are you processing a trauma? Are you processing grief? Um, which are different things, right? So understanding the emotion, understanding the event, and especially the thoughts behind it, because those are very personal. It's how we interpret what they mean about us, about our past, about our worth, about our identity, about our relationships, about the future, about, you know, 
all sorts of things. So those are very personal. And usually those are um, automated thoughts, you know, to go back to like cognitive behavior therapy and things that we carry with us. Um, those are usually the things that are in the way of processing something. So yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it's, just, I guess, yeah, it's just, so what I'm hearing is, you know, if you're, if you're processing it. Well, uh, yeah. Kind of. I, yeah. I like mean, if you're, if you're feeling it and like you said, like, I love how you said it's not, it's going to get ugly. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get it's through the ugly stuff. Uncomfortable. Yeah. That's yeah. when you're like, I That's really don't want to do this. Yeah. I frequently have clients go, I like you, but I don't like this. <laughs> I hate coming here. And, yeah. I, and I'm like, yeah, then you're just, you're doing the right thing. Then I'm doing my job, yeah. The avoidance is is such a big symptom of um, of not processing, Yeah, right? Of uh, delaying. Yeah. It'll eventually show up. Yeah, it'll in, come yeah, in it bigger, comes. uglier ways. Here comes. Yeah. Your body is your buddy. Like it will, it will tell you with your digestion, with your sleep, mm -hmm. uh, with your breathing, with your weight. It tells you in different ways. You'll break out or your hair changes. Like something happens when your thoughts and you keep going, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And your voice changes, <laughs> like shit happens. Or you keep repeating patterns or something. And then one day you're just done with it. And you're like, I can't, I can't shove it down anymore. And everyone's timeline is different. Yeah. And being okay with the fact that your timeline is different and accepting that is actually okay too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really into, um, well, I was talking with, I have way too many friends who are psychologists. <laughs> so our conversations are kind of <laughs> fucked up, but, <laughs> I love but it. we're okay with that too. Um, but the idea of not, not wanting to be cured, but being curious. Yeah. Just I love that. like- Everything is about movement. And I like you mentioned going through it. You can't get around it. Have mm -hmm. you guys seen the movie, The Princess Bride? Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite movies. And I think about the forest of unusual, whatever. Terrors or something. Yeah. Right, isn't it? yeah. Like the rodents of unusual size and <laughs> oh the, fire swamp, the fire swamp. The fire swamp. And I think about how they come to that and there's no way around it. They have Just to go, go through. through it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of like, grief is like that. Trauma is like that. You just got to go in it. You don't know how long mm -hmm. you're going to be in there. And it's not about faith. It's just about participating. Yeah, mm -hmm. It's just about being in there. Yeah. And it, 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 it there's going to be challenges. There's going to be pain. People talk about it being hard work. And I've actually just recently started calling it pain work mm. and just not worrying so much about pain and not avoiding pain. And I think one of the most important things, and at some point we were talking about, um, you know, trusting uh, your instincts and who you talk to about, mm -hmm. well, should I get a hysterectomy? And none of those people had it. <laughs> Surround yourself with people whose opinion you trust yeah. and have some expertise on things. Yeah. Talk to other people. Those are going to be the people who are going to give you a relevant and reliable uh, piece of advice. Mm -hmm. yeah. And sometimes that means expanding your circle. Um, but that's, you need other people. We are too um, independent sometimes. And we espouse the idea of being independent thinkers and taking care of ourselves and rah, rah, you know, independent women, mm -hmm. especially. It's just not possible. Yeah, we need so, a team. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. why we're doing this because yeah. like yeah. team motherhood really is a team sport, yeah. right? Yeah. So it takes yeah. a village. It takes a village. We always say, you know, if one of us is having something, then we can all support and, and rally yeah. versus dealing with it yeah. alone. Mental right? health is no yeah. different. Yeah. I mean, you guys are doing that from that motherhood perspective, yeah. but for 
for any kind of mental health issue diagnosis. I mean, your hysterectomy is a great um, piece of that. I know yeah. that's a specific medical issue, but you yeah. did it because of how you were feeling, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 So I have a quick question too, sure. because you had mentioned something about like, you know, narcissism and that kind of stuff. So talk a little bit about, I feel like everybody's Jesus. got a blanket term mm -hmm. and I always feel like, okay, so what about, we're just casting off all these people, you know, like it's like, oh, he's, you know, so she's a narcissist. Yeah, yeah. Like what about all the assholes? Where do they go in the world? Are they people too? <laughs> I just laugh about that because I'm like, and also too, I feel like every time someone gets their heart broken, it's like, oh my oh, God, yeah. he was a narcissist or yeah. she was a narcissist yeah. or like, and just all these blanket terms of things, you know, um, what's your feeling on that? Well, uh, not my area of expertise, so okay. I'll have a mild opinion okay. on this, but it, it is of concern. Again, that pendulum swinging hard the other way because right. of media and people sort of saturating. It's certainly an area of interest for people. But yeah, um, I think that there's a spectrum. People can, all of us can have moments where we are egotistical and narcissistic, right? I mean, the idea of being narcissistic is being self-absorbed. Right. And it's uh, and maybe being hurtful towards other people and putting ourselves first. Someone out there right now is talking about something we did that hurt their feelings and they think we were being narcissistic. Right. For sure. I mean, we don't know who they are or what <laughs> age. Oh, I know who they are. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about it. No, we're not. Hot mic, hot mic. Back yeah. it up, Alex. Um, Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's okay. Safe space. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but to talk about narcissistic personality disorder, that's very specific. It's very intense. And um, you're right, people throw that around. But there's also other, there's narcissistic personality traits. There's um, people having narcissistic moments. Um, it, it is thrown around too much. Mm -hmm. And discarding people based on moments as opposed to a lifelong behavior pattern, uh, narcissistic personality disorder is extremely destructive and it's very rare. Um, mm. You know, nobody in their right mind would formally diagnose Donald Trump without actually meeting him, but he is a of a public persona that is easy to point to, to be quite honest. Okay, um, of a classic. Oh, yes. Yeah, he loves okay. attention. Uh, he says things and lies about things that have historical and documented evidence to the contrary. In order to pre present, uh, or sorry, uh, preserve how he presents himself, he surrounds himself with people he says are amazing and perfect and wonderful in order to create the idea that he is perfect and wonderful, but the moment he is disappointed in them, they are garbage. So that is the general idea Isn't of it. Isn't that kind of all the politicians? <laughs> I mean, there's one you're here not, in Canada no, too. Yeah. But <laughs> like you're you not wrong vote, that, yeah. that in order to be in a public um, spotlight of any kind, you do have to want to present yourself as amazing. Yeah. Like to want that love, you have to have the ability to or a belief in. There are certainly famous people that don't seek it. I wouldn't say Robert De Niro is looking for like a lot of attention. Nobody sees him in the media, but he's yeah. super famous. Anybody would know where he was, but we don't see him splashed all over magazines versus, you know, I don't know, Megan Fox. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I am ashamed of myself. I just compared those two <laughs> in the acting realm at all. That just came out of my mouth. Well, um, you did go to the, they were the opposite end of the spectrum in all fairness. Yes. <laughs> uh, in, a lot of ways. in a lot of ways. I can't yeah. even name a movie she did and I probably know every one of his movies. So yeah. yeah. Did she do a movie or she just did Suits? No, 
Megan Fox. Oh, Megan Fox. Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I was thinking the other She's someone that would be more famous for the things that she's done in social media than her movies, in fact. I think we'd be struggled to name a movie, but we can all or kind of Fox? picture. She did the, she, um, Megan Fox did that car movie. Transformers. Yeah. 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 She did, yeah. she did Transformers. <laughs> that car movie. The car she movie. She did. Like, yeah, and then she changed her whole face. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this took a turn. Yeah. Speaking of so narcissists. tell us yeah. a little bit about, we are getting, oh my gosh, we're almost running out of time. But um, so you are, you see patients or you see clients. Mm-hmm. And so what are things that you're currently seeing a, a you know, a trend in? Or what are, like, what are you mostly dealing with? And I'm sure it's a large spectrum of things, but I'm always curious. Well, half of my practice, I do um, psychoeducational assessments. So I see kids and adults for the diagnosis of learning disabilities, ADHD, emotional behavioral disorders, mm-hmm. which I, I really, really love because um, a lot of kids come in and they struggle in school um, and they're intimidated by the testing environment. And um, I'm kind of like this in the testing environment. So kids, I, I, I love sort of dispelling the idea that it's, I kind of make jokes about putting electrodes in their head when they come in. I'm like, the electrodes don't hurt. And they're like, what? I'm like, I'm just kidding. I have candy. Um, <laughs> candy salsa. Yeah, I'm going to scare you. Then I'm going to make you like me. That's what narcissists do. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, and I use humor. Humor is a great rapport builder. Yes. I like, I, 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 that's just part of my personality. So I enjoy doing that to sort of disarm people. But, um, in order to diagnose a learning disability, and this is what people don't understand, like we do IQ test and then an achievement test. In order to have a learning disability, um, as opposed to a cognitive delay, there's two different things with that. A learning disability requires uh, your IQ to be here, but your achievement to be here. So you have to actually be intelligent to have a learning disability. That's why we build accommodations. So your achievement matches your IQ. As opposed to a delay, when your IQ and your achievement match, and they're just low, so we don't actually build in accommodation. We just lower expectations. This is not an unhappy kid. They're doing the best they can. Yeah. These kids are frustrated. Now they have emotional behavioral problems usually. They're frustrated in school because wow. the school system only teaches in a specific way because of limited resources, right? Yeah. Um, so I really love teaching kids they're not dumb. The school system's just not teaching them the way that they learn. Yeah. Um, and that's why accommodations can work when they're when they have the resources for them. Uh, so that's one thing that I'm kind of passionate about. And and reinforcing kids saying, Well, I can't learn this way. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, do you this think is there's the a large sorry, do you think there's a large capacity of kids like that that are sort of you know, achievement and and IQ? Um, Well, there's, I mean, there's certainly a percentage of them. I mean, if we look at just statistically, there's, I think it's probably like 20% of kids have some kind of learning disability, whether it be a reading, writing, math disability. And again, just like ADHD, it's on a spectrum. Some kids can accommodate their own. There's some great teachers out there that just naturally create accommodations. So you don't even notice that a kid has a disability. Mm. Um, I have a son with ADHD and when he was in grade four, he came home and he goes, mom, I don't have ADHD anymore. My teacher cured it. It's because she was so good. She just was like (laughs) so creative and wasn't impatient. And she just kept him stimulated all day long, but not in a, um, like a hyperactive way, just super creative. And he has just the ability to refocus himself. Now he knows where his strengths and weaknesses are, and he doesn't have any accommodations anymore. So 
he he regulates himself. Whereas my other son doesn't have ADHD <laughs> and he's a teenager and he struggles. I will make sure he does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, but the, and the other side of my practice is actually primarily treating uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. I work a lot with the RCMP um, and then just, you know, regular folk who have trauma, uh, a lot of childhood trauma and people coming to terms with it as they um, usually have children. And then they're like, it's time for me to deal with what happened to me when I was younger Um, and recognizing it. Or to be quite honest, one of the biggest challenges is people who have someone in their family who's abusive and um, no one wants to really deal with it, but it's having a huge impact on them. So when you talk about narcissism or someone with maybe borderline personality disorder and everybody just wants to tippy toe around it and not deal with it, but it has a huge ripple effect on everyone in the family, some kind of toxic um, family environment, abusive family environment. And everyone's just like, no, no, don't be, you know, don't be the black sheep. Don't make everybody unhappy. Just go along to get along. And some one person will be like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like I gotta, I gotta say, I like, I gotta take care of myself. I gotta save myself yeah. and dealing with the fact that they actually want to be healthy and that it kind of separates them from their family. There's, I have a lot of clients like that. Interesting. So that's, that's primarily what I, what I work with. I love, love treating people for post-traumatic stress disorder. It is um, a privilege to hear people tell you about the thing they don't want to talk about. It is the most painful memory and to be allowed into such a private space and for them to trust you. I don't take that for granted at all. It's very humbling. And for them to believe that they aren't going to feel better and I know that they are, it's like I have a secret that I get to share with them. And then they get to go and take care of themselves. They get empowered and they walk away. And um, I actually, years ago, I had a, a client who gave me a card afterwards that said, thanks for making me feel like shit. And she's like, <laughs> and I mean it. Like, cause that's as you, to you know, circle back, that's how you know you're processing. You feel mm-hmm. terrible yeah. and you can take care of it. That's what awesome. recovery awesome. feels like. So, I know we could keep oh, talking. Keep going. Oh my gosh. I know. Okay. okay well, we usually questions. fire like rapid fire questions oh, sure. about, you know, motherhood, but oh. I just had this inspiration to do it another way. Okay. Irene, what's the favorite musical song you've ever sang? <gasps> oh, oh, I um, love that question, Al. Oh, so many. I'll I know. It's so for hard. one reason, one more day just came into my head from Les Mills. Because oh, it's so good. Good yeah. choice. Yeah. I approve. Oh. Second of all, oh, sorry. And if you, no, don't apologize. The other thing I was going to say is if you could, you know, wake up tomorrow and life was a musical, which one would it be? <gasps> um, good Beauty questions. and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Oh my I gosh. Yeah. Cause you'd just be like, be our guest. It'd be so fun. <laughs> well, I just, I, I have a, <sighs> the transformation. There goes the baker with his tray. Oh like my, always. Like baguette. Oh, what's my favorite part? <laughs> the baguettes, hurry up. <laughs> love musical theater so much. <gasps> Can we please have an episode yes. just about musical yes. theater? Oh. Please invite me. Okay, yeah. you'll be there. Okay. Will there be drinks? Can it be in the evening? Yeah, what's I love music. I, I always, we're she not loves music, this. but one day I said to her, I was like, you know, like, she's like, I don't really get musicals. And I'm like, what do you mean? What? She's like, she goes, why say it when say you, why sing it when you can say it? And I said, why say it when you can say it? Are you ever in a room and someone's 
someone says something and then you sing oh, something from the musical yeah. and you're like, oh, that just reminds yeah. me. Yeah, the irony oh. of that is that I sing all the time, but I don't. Mm-hmm. Lo- I, I'm, we're gonna leave it at that. Oh. Um, Irene, where can we? Yeah, where, where can, can we, we find you? Sing? And where can we find you? And where oh, can we see you? I just sing? I mostly sing at funerals, which is <laughs> like a joke. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's not supposed to be funny, but it is. <laughs> it's funny when you're a trauma therapist. That's like, yeah, it's funny. I do. I sing a lot at funerals, just like mostly relatives. But yeah. you know, when you're the youngest of twelve, there's a lot of dead people in in line. So you must have nailed Hallelujah. Then have you done that one? Actually, times? ironically, I walked down the aisle at um, my wedding to that song. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you are a fascinating I mean, creature. We get along just fine. He's a good guy. I have a marriage advice for people. Yeah. Only marry somebody that you think you could divorce well. Oh, yeah. Hey, that's awesome. That should be a bumper sticker. Because she's also writing a book with friends. Yeah. Called called How to Divorce Like a Psychologist. So stay tuned for that. So what's your... um, yeah. Instagram. Instagram and, webpage. And oh, website. yeah. Spellacy Psychology. I'm on Instagram. Yeah. I'm, uh, I don't know if it's any good. I'm new to this social media yeah. <laughs> piece. I usually keep that locked down tight. So I'm open to feedback on it. Sort of. I don't know. Am I sensitive? I don't know yet. We'll find out. <laughs> just love you. Stay tuned. Now, you obviously have a website. We'll put it in. I our, do. Yeah. yeah. We'll put it. What's your Spellacy.com. Silence C. <laughs> with a silent C. Yeah. yeah, with a silent C. Oh, we'll get sure to play spelled oh it at immigration yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, you know, English. Yeah. <laughs> that language. As my mom called these the silent bastards. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was I fun. Yeah. Irene, thanks so much. Thank this you is, so again, much. we run out of time, and uh, we will definitely have to have you back. And we'll yeah, have thanks so much. A million this more questions. Good. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. okay. Well, see you later. Yeah, thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Now we want to hear from you. So tell us what's going on in your world. What's what's working? What's not working? How we can support you? What are some good topics? And don't forget to follow us at Let's Not Sugarcoat It Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time. Bye. Bye. See you.